0: Welcome to episode 96 of the Gluns for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. As of Tuesday, March 14th, 2023, the Toronto Maple Leafs are still in second place in the Atlantic Division behind the Boston Bruins who are running away with the division might be the greatest regular season team in NHL history but since our last podcast the leafs are one and one they beat the edmonton oilers 7 to 4 and then lost 4 to 3 to the buffalo sabers on home ice so we are going to discuss a lot of things that happened over the last week in leafland we are going to discuss the eastern conference playoff race again are the ottawa senators officially done Ooh. We will get into that, and we will also talk about the race for second in the Atlantic between the Leafs and the Lightning. So I promise you want to stay tuned until the very end. But before we get into all that, it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How you doing, man?
1: Anthony Bruno, how am I doing? I'm a little tired, to be honest. I said a few weeks ago that uh, we brought a little girl into the world, and uh, she's cutting into my sleep. She likes to eat at 2 a.m. and, uh, again, at about 4 or 5 a.m., so not the greatest, but uh, we signed up for it, and we're pulling through. Episode 96 of the Guns Punishment podcast, shout-out goes to, quite possibly, the most disappointing trade deadline acquisition in the history of the franchise. In 2003, the Toronto Maple Leafs made a trade with the Chicago Blackhawks for Phil Housley. Future Hall of Famer, oh, one of the best, one of the, oh, God is right, one of the uh, best American defensemen the league has ever seen. He played one game with the Maple Leafs and he got hurt and he was done. And I actually even remember this kind of before the internet and Twitter, there was buzz that he was even hurt before he dressed up for the Leafs, that the Blackhawks traded us an injured Phil Housley and maybe the Leafs didn't do their due diligence. So, Regret out there for anyone who bought uh, a Phil
0: Housley, number 96 Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. What a disaster. Remember the early 2000s when the Leafs just traded for every single star player who was at the end of their career? Yep. Phil Housley, time. Brian Leach. Ron Francis. Ron yep. Francis. Owen Nolan to a certain degree as well. Yeah. Just, oh man, that era. of, Yelmore, Leafland Clark one of kind. <laughs> yeah, Clark
1: again. Yeah, there goodness. was the... uh The play with Housie, I remember him actually, the play they thought he got hurt on, the puck was going, it was the most non-athletic thing you'd ever see in the NHL. The puck was flipped over him and he kind of jumped up to catch it and he fell. I don't know what they said he hurt or how bad they said it was, but he was done a single game with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Even that year, we mentioned the Leafs picking up those guys. Like, man, my my memory is racing here. We were playing Buffalo. Game was at home in Toronto. and Miroslav Shatan. Scored a hell of a goal against the Leafs. And I remember he did one of these. He did the call me thing. Because uh, there was rumors that the Leafs were going to make a trade for Miroslav Jatan. And I was all psyched. Because I'm like, here, we're going to get this score. This guy with speed. We were like a veteran grizzly group. Maybe we can get, uh, remember, Maximofin again I'm like oh, yeah, maybe get fly oh amazing player maybe get him in the deal and what do we do we go out and get Ron Francis <laughs> like exactly what we already had and what we did not need but man,
0: way to go Leafs do you guys remember how bad it was early to- I mean early 2000s the Leafs made it to the conference finals but yeah, do you remember just the management that was in place over the last 20 years and it goes back to the conversation we had about why the Leafs should just re-sign Kyle Dubas. Like the, yeah. Some of the decisions that were made over the last 20 years were just mind-boggling compared to what we have seen recently from Kyle Dubas. So mm. w- this is a conversation for another day, Laporte. Maybe we'll get into it later in this podcast. Who knows where this show is going to go. But the Leafs need to re-sign Kyle Dubas. All yes, right. do it. Anyway, let's get right into the podcast here. So as I mentioned off the top of the show... Toronto beat the Edmonton Oilers 7-4 to on Saturday night. It was a big win because it did not get off to a good start. The Leafs went down 3-1. to Matt Murray was horrible. And the Leafs offense just decided to say, you know what? We're going to put you on our back and we're going to come back and win this hockey game with our offense. Mm-hmm. And then the Leafs had a 2-0 lead against the Buffalo Sabres on Monday night and decided to shit the bed and yeah. lose 4 to 3. The Sabers scored a lot of their goals in tight around the net. And uh I don't know. Today I think people are just kind of like let's just get to the playoffs. I feel like that's kind of the the mindset right now. I don't know how many people are freaking out over Matt Murray because yeah. it seems like Ilya Samsonov is going to be the guy for game 1 of the playoffs. But Laporte, what were your thoughts on this 4-3 loss of the Buffalo Sabers?
1: Now that you mentioned it, I feel like the Leafs Twitterverse was not as hostile as it normally is when the Leafs lose to like a lower end team, but it was, I mean, like you said, one and one Jekyll and Hyde, man, this team is fucking Jekyll and Hyde. And what I'm used to is it being game to game. They play an amazing game and then they play a shit game just to remind us that they are in fact the team wearing blue this week first half of the game against Edmonton the Leafs did not look good they did not look good McDavid was flying it looked like maybe we'd get killed like we did uh the previous game in Edmonton and then Marner made that play Leafs flipped a switch and looked amazing for the rest of the game even Murray to be fair he was absolute trash in that game those four goals were like not NHL goals but he settled down in the second half of the game then fast forward to last night's game against Buffalo Watching that game, watching that game, that first half, the Leafs looked fantastic. They were flowing, entering the zone. Everybody knew where to be. Everybody knew where everybody was going. It was like watching a video game. We looked incredible. And then Buffalo got those two power plays. We lost all the momentum and shit hit the fan. And I am very happy that Sheldon Keefe called out the team and said that was our worst period of the season. No doubt about it. They were Awful. And again, talk about Jekyll and Hyde. I, mean, I looked up it. I looked it up on Natural Stat Trick last night. I'm not getting the numbers exactly right, but we, in terms of attempts on net, in the first period, they were something like twenty to five for Toronto. But then in the second period, they were like thirty two to six for Buffalo. Like that's fucking pathetic, guys. So this team confuses me, man. A lot's going on. The D. I mean, we can talk about the D. I think we're trying to fucking galaxy brain this and. To me, it's so obvious what it should be. But again, we'll talk about it. and We'll see where this goes. But if this week left me any feeling, Bruno, it's confusion because there's still a part of me that doesn't know what the hell
0: this team is. Yeah, it still is pretty confusing because even Sheldon Heath talked about this before the Buffalo game. He said that the Leafs might roll with 11 forwards and seven defensemen moving forward and into the playoffs Ugh. because he said that it's worked so far. We've looked pretty good. Under this format, so maybe we're going to r- roll with 11 forwards and 7D moving forward. And who knows what the D-core is going to look like because Luke Shen has been away um, dealing with the birth of, of his child. Mm-hmm. He's been back with his wife. He's He should play in the next game. I'm sure he probably will. And we don't know what's going to happen because the D-pairs have been changing, it seems like, every game. They haven't found a rhythm yet. Like, remember not even last year but even like the year before that when like muzzin was fully healthy and like everyone was healthy going into the playoffs (laughs) like it just seemed like the D pairs were like set in stone yeah right like you knew what to expect every night there were no surprises like everyone knew their role whereas right now man and I, i know you know most of the guys know their role like morgan riley knows his role mark giordano TJ Brody, but when the pairs are switching every single night, how can you find a rhythm? And even the forward lines seem to be switching almost every single night. Now I know it's, they have found a little bit of a rhythm, you know, with Kerfoot on the first line with Matthews and Marner and now that Ryan O'Reilly is out of the lineup, it has solidified things a little bit more up front, but then when when O'Reilly returns late in the season, then the lines are going to get juggled again. So that's maybe my one fear right now and we'll talk about the goaltending, but it's like this team has got to find a rhythm. And again, like, they're still a very good team right now. Fourth best record in the NHL. They sit fifth in the NHL in goal differential. Like, everything's fine, but and they still have a runway here to figure things out. But you hope by game one of the playoffs, everything is figured out, and they know exactly what they're going to be. They know what their identity is, and they know exactly what they need to do and how to structure their lineup to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. How much of it is that runway that you were just
1: referring to in the way that they got all these new guys. They're trying to get everyone acclimated properly. You're seeing the minutes are pretty even among the D like I've noticed that there was one game. Everyone played exa- pretty well, exactly the same amount of time. And it was it even what game was it? it even stretched across the forwards too. everyone. If you minus power play played, I think it was like 16 minutes. It, it, it all matched up. So I'm going to give Keith some credit. I think the pairings in his mind are, at least I hope, pretty well set. And at this point, they're just trying to get everyone reps. And I mean, like, I'll, I'll say it. Okay, I'll say it. Is there any chance it's not Riley Brody, Giordano, not necessarily in this order, but Riley Brody, Giordano, Lilligren, uh, McCabe, and say Gus of Center Timmons, and then Hall, or Shen is like the seventh guy who kills penalties and cross-checks people. Like, I don't understand. Like to me, Riley Brody's a no-brainer. Jordano Dilligren's a no-brainer. McCabe's not coming out of the lineup. So what else could it really be? Everyone, comment down below if you see it a different way. But that's how I see
0: it. I think Luke Shen is going to be locked in to this who? to the six-man rotation. And that's going to mean that Justin Hall, who Sheldon Keith loves might come out of the lineup, or he's going to be the seventh guy if they roll with 11 and seven. And then the other guy is Gustafson. I mean, I don't really see a role for him, honestly. Like, if this guy's not running the power play, then what's he doing? I know he's a good puck mover. He has a lot of offensive flair. Like, next to Morgan Riley, he's probably the Leafs' second-best offensive defenseman. And you said it, McCabe is not coming out of the lineup. And I, I think they really want Luke Shen to play a role. Like an important role on this blue line. I, I really think they do. So again, that's gonna mean that Hall, Timmins, and Gustafson are the odd men out. Who do you think they're gonna put Shen with? If you had to guess right now. That's tough, man. Um, I don't know. Like I feel I don't know way. either. I mean, I because it seems like maybe, maybe it's Jordano and Shen. Is it is it McCabe and Shen? Because I don't want that. I don't want that. I know that seems like it's a little, it's a little slow, right? Even Jordano and Shen is slow.
1: Yeah. And to, to take Jordano away from the Lagrin to me is crazy. So I don't know, man. So maybe, maybe they do have a lot of work to do in figuring
0: this out. And this is why they're doing all this shit. Yeah. So it's, it's a little scary, honestly, because even at the trade deadline, I was like, man, this team has nine NHL defensemen. Like, what the hell are they doing? Like, yeah, someone has to be getting trade. shipped out for yeah. maybe a little bit more forward help. And they just didn't do anything. Mm. Now they have a hundred defensemen. Like I, I I don't know this plan. That was the one thing that was kind of perplexing to me at the trade deadline. I thought the Leafs made a lot of good decisions. Kyle Dubas, obviously, as I've mentioned, I, I think made some really nice moves, but to keep this many NHL defensemen on the roster was a little bit mind boggling, man. Yeah definitely it's time for a quick break for a word about manscaped spring has sprung and our friends at manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning they've already helped you tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement but this year (laughs) manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new beard hedger pro kit make sure you look your best this spring by using our exclusive promo code gfp20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Lapore, they just never miss. It doesn't matter what products they come out with, they're always helping all of us men who desperately need it.
1: Yeah, like Bruno, look at this beard. Look at this beard. Just perfection. Look at the lines, the perfect length. It would not be possible without the Beard Hedger. Manscapes always got it locked down, whether you're shaving your balls or cleaning up your face or spraying on something that makes you smell good. They do not mess around. Head to the Manscaped website, GFP20 promo code for 20% off and free shipping.
0: You said it, Lapore. You got to look your best, whether it's the face, whether it's down below. Do the right thing. Respect yourself. Look presentable. Look your best. And you're going to perform at your best, no matter what you're doing in in life, all right? Save 20% off and free shipping using GFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with our exclusive promo code GFP20. At manscaped.com. Anyway, Laporte, let's let's discuss the goaltending. Sure. <laughs> so Sheldon Keefe had a very interesting quote that's kind of floating around now on social media. It's made some news outlets. He thinks that Matt Murray has looked really good. Hmm. And that's interesting because going back over his last five starts, Matt Murray has allowed four goals in each of his last five starts. Since returning from injury, he is one and two with an 848 save percentage and a mm. 4-1-1 goals against. Amazing. But despite that, Sheldon Keefe, after the 4 3 loss to the Buffalo Sabres, said, I think he's been great. I know the numbers look terrible, but again, here tonight, I thought he was really good. I mean, there was four tap ins, three feet or less in front of the crease. And I do agree with him to a certain degree because in this Sabres game, Lapore, like there were some goals that were scored in tight. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was the result of like D men not clearing the puck, not boxing guys out, leaving Matt Murray out to dry a little bit. But you can't ignore these numbers, man. You can't be allowing four goals a night. Mm-hmm. He looked really shaky against the Oilers. So, what are your thoughts right now on Matt Murray? Like, do you think. Do you agree with Sheldon Keefe that he's actually looked good and it's just been a matter of a lot of like high danger opportunities, or have you completely lost faith in this guy? I almost in terms of helping this team when it actually matters.
1: I almost see it both ways because there have been recent examples of what Keefe referred to, no doubt about it in my mind. Last night's game, I thought Murray was okay. I thought he played pretty well. He made that big save on Tage Thompson on the breakaway. And like you said, all four goals were either kind of cheesy or high danger opportunities. So you can't really fault the goalie there. And then same deal against Vancouver. He looked strong. I thought he looked very good. And I thought the team, I mean, two shorthanded goals. I thought the team hung him out to dry. So I won't put those two games on him, but I will put those four goals against Edmonton on him. Like he looked terrible in that game. The first goal just beat him clean. You know, you see it go in, and you see a uh, team celebrate, and then you're looking for looking at the replay, and you're expecting a tip or a screen or something, and just fucking beat them. And when does that happen in the National Hockey League? The other goal on the uh, the wraparound, that's brutal,
0: terrible yeah, that goal. To... Kane goal, that was. Oh awful. my
1: god, he looks so like non-athletic on that play, Jesus. But one thing I will say is that. He seems like he's so up and down. And we talk about these injuries with Matt Murray. We've touched on it recently on the show. It's mental, man. It's mental. Because even like last night, even the first period he wasn't really tested. And then even when he started getting shots, he looked pretty calm and confident. Like snagging pucks out of the air, moving side to side. He looked good. Whereas against Edmonton, just his body language, his position, then I'm like, everything's gonna beat him. So it's 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 between the years, man. And as far um, as far as the playoffs go. And you ask a question if he can help the Leafs when the games really and truly matter. I can't say I trust him. No one can trust him. Because again, like I said, if if it is mental with his confidence or something else, how can you bet your life on that? You can't. And the numbers are the numbers. I mean, you can look at a four game. And I hate when people do that. When they look at like a four game sample size, like that's not goaltending everybody. You, you need large samples to see uh, what a save percentage really and truly is and who a goalie really and truly is. But he's going to get more reps before the end of the season. So if this continues, psh, I don't even know. Like, send him to the send him to the moon, Bruno.
0: Yeah, it's hard to trust him. The only thing we're really falling back on at this point is that he's won two Stanley Cups. <laughs> God. Yeah. Well, That's the only thing you're falling back on. But again, that was almost a lifetime ago. I know it wasn't that long ago, but it seems like it was a lifetime ago. In sports, it was a long time ago. Yeah, as far as sports go. And the way he's looked since coming back from his injury, it hasn't been great. And again, I, I do agree with you to a certain degree. Like, I think he made some big saves against Vancouver. He actually made some really big saves against Buffalo yeah. last night as well. Like Tage Thompson had a breakaway in the third period and he made a big save. That That's the one that sticks out in my mind, but there was a couple, like I rewatched the game. Like, you know, those cut down versions on YouTube, you could watch yeah. like the eight minute version. It shows yeah. all the, all the best plays. I rewatched that after the game last night and and Murray made some really big saves. He really did. But again, when you're allowing four a night, the numbers speak for themselves. I'm sorry. You got to find a way, even if they're high danger opportunities, even if they're goals that most goalies probably wouldn't save, you got to find a way to make one extra save. And Man. that's been the issue with this team in the playoffs. So right now, barring an injury to Ilya Samsonov, who doesn't seem to be quite 100% at the moment, that's why they've given murray the last couple of games like barring a disaster with him he's going to be the game one starter in the playoffs yeah especially how samsonov has played at home as well like the dude's been an absolute monster at scotia bank arena even looking at it from the other
1: side of murray how good would murray have to be the rest of the way to change your mind and have more trust in him than you do in samsonov he has to be unbelievable
0: yeah, that's the thing. He he'd have to play out of his mind. He oh. he would need to put up a save percentage over 920, 925. Like he would have to be very good. Yeah. To get past Samsonov at this point. Yeah. Because he's just good. No. I, mean, I still don't trust you. Like, we expect good. I'm sorry, but he's now allowed four goals in each of his last five starts. Like, imagine going into the playoffs with him in this form like with the confidence level that he's showing right now like there's just no way he can be trusted like yeah. how would the team feel going into the, like if if the playoffs started tomorrow and Matt Murray had to be the game 1 starter cuz let's say Samsonov isn't totally back to 100% like where's the confidence level of this team if yeah. he's playing like this to be it's found. not it's non-existent <laughs> anyway I think that's probably enough of this goaltending talk. I yeah. feel like we talk about the goalies on every other show. I mean, it is one of the hot button issues with this team. But overall, I, I honestly think they're going to be fine in net. Because, Laporte. going into our next conversation, the Tampa Bay Lightning have been shit recently. Yeah, really bad. That's They are not playing well. Since the All-Star break, they are 7-7-5. and in 19 games that is the 22nd best record in the nhl and this team has not been good defensively vasilevsky hasn't been his normal self they just don't look the same and maybe now we're finally starting to see the effects of getting to three consecutive stanley cup finals what are your thoughts on this lightning team right now because as it stands lapore It seems like the Leafs are just flat out a better team. And maybe you could have said the exact same thing last year. But there seems to be more of a gap now. And and even though they're only separated by four points in the standings, this Lightning team just does not feel the same as they have in years past.
1: What's the difference to me? The one that jumped out at me, goals against. The Leafs have allowed 179 goals against. And Tampa's allowed 206. So that's 27 more goals in 67 games. That's a lot of goals, man. For a team of that caliber, coached by John Cooper with that goalie, how? So, I don't know, man. But it's kind of funny because we look at this and everything's pointing. I say everything's pointing. I mean, they're still an unbelievable team and they have experience and they're battle-tested. But things will be pointing in the Leafs' favor right now. I mean, the Leafs haven't been fantastic as of late, but you know they've been okay. They've been solid. They're at least what you expect. So... I don't know. Like we, we, we like what I'm trying to say is we can't get confident. <laughs> so like I see this team and kind of what we were just talking about with regard to the goalies. Can we trust the goalies? Like can we trust somebody to be good? I mean, I can we trust the Lightning to be bad when it matters? Like can we expect the same deficiencies? When Probably the chips not. Are on the- exactly. So it's one of those things. To me, we we always say on the sh- on the show, okay, well we go in show me mode. You have to show me whether you're good or bad. As bad as Tampa is, I'm not going to believe it until I see it in the playoffs. So to me, it kind of means nothing at this point. And we know our Leafs, the last thing they need is an injection of confidence. They're like, oh, this team shit. We're going to roll over them. Yeah, that's the last fucking thing we need. So to me, there's that little part of me that hopes it becomes a race for that home ice advantage. I mean, what, what's it now? It's four points and the Leafs have a game in hand. Correct. I really hope I I really hope it maintains until the end just to keep the leaf sharp. Cause I, I don't want them with say an eight or 10 point lead. And it's just cruise control the rest of the way. No, no, you gotta be dialed in towards the end of the year and maybe it gives you an opportunity. Maybe the last couple games to rest players, but Tampa, if there's a team that can turn it on, it's Tampa. So I don't want to say I'm worried. I, I'll say right now, the way division matchups have looked for us in previous seasons, I would take the lightning, but I can't say that I believe they're going to be bad until I see it.
0: Yeah. If there's one team that has the ability to flip a switch, it's probably Tampa. They have the pedigree. They have the experience. They have the talent, but some of these numbers are really eye popping, man. You mentioned it goals against the lightning are 15th in the NHL in goals against per game. They are allowing over three goals per game this season. Like, tell me the last time you've ever seen the Tampa Bay Lightning allow over three goals per game. Like, you probably got to go back like six or seven years. Mm -hmm. And even when you look at some of the advanced numbers, expected goals against per 60, they're 14th in the league. Actual five-on-five goals against per 60, they're 13th in the league. So defensively, they haven't been very good. And Laporte, we were actually discussing this before we came on today, looking at the goal differential. The Leafs are at plus 47 and the Lightning are at plus 27. It's crazy. That's a big gap. And again, I mentioned how bad they've been since the All Star break. They've been even worse over their last 10 games. Like the Lightning are really struggling. And maybe you just chalk it up to this team has been to three straight cup finals. They don't really care right now. They're just kind of sitting back and waiting for the playoffs. But it does seem like this is the year that the Leafs... And again, this is the year. Uh, now all the jokes are going to flood into the comments. This is the year for the Leafs. But you're getting a vulnerable Lightning team right now, man. They went through that whole fiasco where John Cooper had to bench Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point, and Steven Stamkos for an entire third period against the Buffalo Sabres because they were horrible. There's a, it just seems like there's something off right now. In Tampa, and if there's any year where you would feel confident about the Leafs beating this Lightning team, I was confident last year, and I thought it should have happened. They outscored them over seven games. And maybe I'm going to look like a complete idiot in the next month or so, but I I feel pretty confident that the Leafs are a better team and should be able to beat this Lightning team, especially if they get home ice in the first round. Are you more confident this year than you were last year? I am. I am. Because the Lightning were not this shaky... At this point of the season, and sure, they went through a, a little bit of a hard time. Lightning fans always tell me like, oh, we go through this stretch every year where we have these bad games, like this lightning fans. stretch where we're bad, and <laughs> then we turn it on when it matters. But I haven't seen them play like this poorly. So I do feel more confident this season, Lapore. How about you? Where's your confidence level right now? I
1: think I'm in the same boat as you. Like last year, I was pretty confident. Uh, I felt I especially. And then to give us that extra boost, the five, nothing win in game one, people forget about that. But uh, this year, the way Tampa's looked, if they continue to play this way, it will be bad if the Leafs lose. If this continues and the Leafs end up with like an eight or 10 point gap, That's a, that's a difference. It's like, they're an underdog now. I don't care what's happened in the past. And as much as I said that I won't believe how shit they are until I actually see it when it matters. If you have a significant gap in the standings, you have to beat that team. Right? So it'll make me more worried because those expectations will be raised. But what was the difference? If you have the standings in front of you for last season, what we had 115
0: points, how many points did they have? I don't recall. I believe they had 110. I'm checking right now. They did. Yeah. So the Leafs had 115. The Lightning had 110.
1: Yeah, because I remember it being... I don't remember it being like a race race. Like for home ice. I remember us feeling kind of good about it the whole time. But yeah, it's 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 going to be fun because we're going to be thinking about the past and what teams have done and hockey gods. And to be fair to Tampa too, right? They're going to have a lot of pressure on them because here's this team that won two straight Stanley Cups, fought hard in another final. If they get a first round exit to a team that they beat the previous year, I'm not saying it's going to be full blown panic mode. They're going to fire the coach, make trades, this and that, but it'll hurt. It, it'll, it'll be a look in the mirror because it sounds kind of funny. And this is something we can talk about all day. If you look at the Bruins and the lightning, okay. The Boston Bruins are right now the best regular season team we've ever seen. Okay. The Tampa Bay Lightning are one of the best post cap teams we've ever seen. Three straight Stanley Cup finals. Okay. But I don't think I would be wrong to say I think both teams are on their way down because of their age and and where they're at. And sports is sports is unpredictable. Players can come in, teams can maintain and you know question the Boston Bruins being an elite team. But if someone told me in two years, Boston's out of the playoffs. Or say fighting for a playoff spot and the same goes for Tampa two, three years, I wouldn't be shocked. Just cause, like, yeah, you know, they're vets, they're getting older. I mean, Bergeron, Criche, who knows where, where where they'll be. So there's pressure to succeed. So with Tampa, if they lose in the first round, that that's a look in the mirror of like, okay, is the party over? Because to them it's not about making the playoffs and winning rounds. Like, that doesn't suffice. They're trying to win, they're trying to win cups. So, and when you've tasted it you expect it going forward. And if they become a a team that goes out in the first round and they start looking at the division and, you know, the, the sends long-term are probably on the up Detroit, probably on the up Buffalo Toronto is kind of a question mark, depending on signings and this and that. But if someone said that Toronto will still be good in two, three years, no one would be surprised. So it'll be interesting to see
0: how Tampa handles it. If they do in fact go out in the first round. You're 100% right about the Lightning, especially considering all the draft capital that they've parted with. True, true. This is their team moving forward. All the long-term contracts they signed, like they signed Eric Chernak to a long-term deal, Anthony Sorelli, all Paul. of their core guys, obviously, even locking up like Nick Paul. Yeah. And now they got Tanner Janot in the mix, who they traded 500 draft picks for. So like, this is their team moving forward. There's really not... A lot they can do. And sure, the Tampa Bay Lightning are one of the smartest teams in the league. Maybe they can move out a contract here and there and rejig things. But you said it, man. Like, if they lose in the first round, and sure, maybe you can chalk it up to it's been three long years. They're now in the fourth year. They played more hockey than anyone in the league. Like, maybe they need a year to recharge, and they're going to come back, you know, looking amazing next season. Kind of like Boston, honestly, to a certain degree, where you thought they were done. You have all these old guys, Krejci and Bergeron, coming back, and then all of a sudden they're on pace for like 130-plus points. So maybe Tampa's going to take you know a year to recharge, and they're going to be back stronger than ever. But I'll say this about this season specifically. You're going to see what the Lightning are made of this week. They play the Devils three times this week. What? Which is wild. I, I don't know what's going on with the NHL schedule, but Tampa plays New Jersey three times this week. Yeah, That is going to be a big time test considering how bad the lightning have been since the all-star break. Now you have to play this devil's team. One of the top teams in the league that absolutely flies all over the ice. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a big week for the Tampa Bay lightning. So leaf fans, I know you've been watching the schedule, but watch it extra closely this week. Wow. When Tampa plays New Jersey three times, I feel like there's been a lot of that this year with the
1: NHL schedule teams not playing each other for like four months and then playing each other. Well, the, the Leafs are playing the Sens, what, like twice in a couple of weeks. We just had it with Edmonton. You just mentioned it, New Jersey and Tampa. And I feel like we've seen a lot of those. I'll ask you this, like kind of on the topic. One thing that came, one thing that was done in the COVID year that I thought might continue would be kind of like the baseball series styles. Where say Toronto would come into Montreal and they would play two games. Or even, maybe even if you know Pittsburgh goes into Boston and they play three games, something like that, to save on travel. The NHL is always trying to create rivalries, and man, you play two, or three straight games against the same opponent—that that's boiling. So I was kind of surprised. I thought I thought they might work that in somehow, but I guess there were some uh, some minds that didn't want it.
0: Yeah, that would be cool to see if you if you have like these mini two or three game series. I do like when it's spread out a little bit. Like I I would like to see the Leafs play like their rival, like once before the new year and then again in February. And then like one more time in like late March or early April before the playoffs. That's how I would ideally like to see it instead of playing Tampa, like three times before February. And then you don't play them again until April. If you meet them in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Like I'll say it as a Leafs fan living in Ottawa, typically I go when the Leafs are in town and I always kind of hope when this when I looked at the schedule for the first time that it is what you just said, an early game and a late game, where we have this year and they are they didn't come all year. They didn't even come for a preseason game this year, and now it's like twice in two weeks. The thing, the thing that sucks about it too, right, is even for fans, and it's not like the NHL gives a shit about fans, like they've showed us that, but to get meaningful games. So the Sens and Leafs played each other early in the year, and depending on how things go for the Sens this week, those two games for them may be pretty well meaningless, but that sucks. they are the provincial rivals coming into town and it just, it doesn't really matter. You don't want
0: that. So I like, I don't know what the thinking is with these uh, these jumbled schedules with the same teams. I think it's fair to say that I don't think the NHL even knows what it's thinking. I think they just kind of go to the schedule. They're like, Oh, well, this is what we're doing. These games are left over and these teams still need to play each other. All right. I guess the devils and lightning are going to play each other three times this week. That's pretty much the NHL for you. You know what's funny about all the different leagues? So
1: let's face it, the NFL is the biggest, baddest, best run league. They know what they're doing, and you see how the schedule is made. Incredible! They always have a bit. I mean, the Thursday night games always a disaster, but the Monday night games always seems to be like two big teams. Or they move the games on Sunday night to make it like what would be the best game? They know what they're doing, even with their when games throughout the day. It, it's always very well done, and I just find the other leagues suck at it. They they just don't do the right things. I guess the NBA's done a pretty good job to the Christmas. They always do two big like Knicks and Lakers against each other, but baseball's done a terrible job with interleague, and the NHL you can't compliment their schedule. Doesn't do anything to get fans excited. It feels like they just put all the names and dates in a computer machine and it prints out a schedule. And here you go, regardless of who's good, who's bad time of the season. So disappointing, but not, uh, not surprising that my favorite league would leave me disappointed uh, as it always does.
0: And it's not surprising at all to see how popular football and baseball are compared to, or sorry, how popular football and basketball are compared to baseball and hockey. It's night and day. Yeah. And, Look at the schedule. It's only one factor, obviously, but it just seems like there isn't enough thought and like strategy put towards the NHL schedule on a yearly basis. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah, the NFL, the the advantage they have
1: is each team plays once a week and teams will only play each other once or twice if they're in the same division. I've said to people, let's say baseball was like that. Imagine the Yankees and Red Sox only played each other twice a year once at Fenway, once at Yankee Stadium, and it's like the Saturday night game. Like, everyone's watching. If They only play play once a year. But just with the sport and how many games there are and how it's set up, it's tough to get revved up for individual regular season games. Yeah, 162
0: is way too much. I think 82 games is too much. 162 is just, like, ridiculous. Psychotic. All right, Lepore, we got to talk about the Eastern Conference playoff race again. Exciting. The Ottawa Senators, they're they're in a tough spot right now. Yeah. Sens fans were loving life last week. They, they were. were ripping off win after win after win. The team seemed to finally find its groove. But now both goaltenders are out. They're coming off a rough swing in Western Canada. It's not technically over yet. They still have to play Edmonton. And they're in a tough spot, man this Senators team, because as close as they are to a playoff spot, it's still actually pretty far away. Yeah. Because they have a murderer's row of a schedule. And again, it starts tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. Then they play Colorado, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Boston, Tampa, New Jersey, Florida. That's just the next, like, eight or nine games. And then the end of the season, they finish off. After that, they have, like... A little, then they have a little bit of what one, a one-game breathing room. Laporte, where they play Philly, and then they play Toronto. Okay, Columbus, that's like another breather, and then they end the year: Carolina, Florida, Tampa, Carolina, Buffalo. Yeah, and right now, just looking at the standings, there are five teams ahead of the Ottawa Senators, and I know the Senators have some games in hand. They have a game in hand on Washington, a game in hand on Florida, two games in hand on the Islanders, but right now. Washington, Buffalo, Florida, the Islanders, and Pittsburgh are all ahead of Ottawa just in terms of pure points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are the Ottawa Senators officially done, Lapore, or do they have a glimmer of hope left at this point?
1: I think they're done. And I I, I don't mean that as an insult. I think uh, oftentimes people look at records, points, and they look at the schedule, and they think of a record they have to put up to get to the playoffs or to win a division. And what people forget is that there are other teams. So in the position they're in, like they're behind Washington. Now they got the game in hand, but you got to win your game in hand and they got Edmonton next. So who knows? It just gets to a point where with the teams you're trying to catch, you just run out of games because even say the Island, let's just re- let's remove, uh, let's remove Buffalo, Florida, and who
0: else is fighting and Washington
1: and Washington. Like let's remove those teams. So you just just focus on the teams that are in, Pittsburgh and the Islanders. Ottawa's got to catch those teams, okay? We've got what? Like 16 games to go. 16 games. Even if those teams go like 8-6 and 2 or something, they're probably that, still getting in. Yeah, but exactly Ottawa would have to at that point to catch 6 points. We'll have to go like 11 something and something It'd be like one of the best teams, like the line, the last 15 games of the season. So it's no shot at them and what they're capable of. I just think they're at the point now where they've run out of games and there's too many teams in front of them where, and that's what I think people do too, right? That, oh, we're only four points out of a playoff spot. And they look at the team in the eighth spot. Yeah. But there's two, or three teams in between teams are going to win games. Like someone's going to get hot. All takes is one and you're done. So Props to the Sens. They made a charge. Um, they got their fans in city excited for a little while, which is great. Um, but I just think at this point they they've they've run out of they've run out of games, and we'll we'll find out. I mean, we'll find out really soon because it's tonight. It's tonight
0: they play Edmonton. Yeah, they play the Oilers tonight.
1: Yeah, so they play the Oilers tonight,
0: and then they have what Colorado, and then us. You said. Yeah. Like it's, it's rough. They got Edmonton, Colorado, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Boston, Tampa, New Jersey, Florida. It's crazy. That's their, those are their next games. Yeah. And like, That's and insane. like I just
1: said, if those teams above them even go 500, it's still going to take a hell of a record from Ottawa against those teams to get in. So, but I mean, if they lose tonight, then they got Colorado and us like this could have a stamp by the weekend and we have a completely figured out. What do you think?
0: Give the, uh, You give my hometown Senators uh, any chance at all, Bruno? I think this team's going to fight because I think they have a lot of confidence right now, and I know that it hasn't gone well through Western Canada. They lost 5-1 to the Flames, 5-2 to Vancouver. Like Those are just bad losses. They did beat the Kraken 5-4, but then that 5-0 loss to Chicago, they've lost three of their last four. I still think confidence-wise, this team feels like it's... It's right in the mix. They yeah. can still get into the playoffs. They have a lot of talent on forward, but now they have no goalies left. Like they're down to like their third and fourth string goalies. Yeah, Thomas Navaleza. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's who they're. That's who they're going with in net. Yeah. Him and Sogard at this point. Like that's not. It's not great at this point of the season. When you're, <laughs> Bruno. When you're dealing with this murderer's row of a schedule. But I, I think this team honestly still has some confidence and I think they're going to fight. But as you said, Laporte, there's just not enough time left, man. There's yeah. not a, there's not enough time. They got 16 games left and there's five teams ahead of them. You got to hope that basically all those teams just shit the bed down mm-hmm. the stretch because even if, even if the Sens have like a really strong finish of the season, as you said, like let's say they go 11, 4, and 1. That might not be enough to get in. Even going 11, 4 and one, like all it takes is kind of Pittsburgh to continue doing what they're doing. The Islanders, now they maybe you could you could make the argument that they could catch the Islanders because they still have two games in hand. But as you've been saying, Laporte, you still have to win those games. So you have those two games in hand. All right, you have Edmonton and Colorado. Your next two games, those are your games in hand. Have mm-hmm. fun with that. Mm-hmm. You lose one of those games, you're behind the eight ball again. Yeah. So it, it's going to be really tough. I think they're done as well. But, I do think they are going to show some fight. This team plays really well at home. I think they're always going to have a chance to win on home ice on the road, not so much. But they're they, they got some fight left in them. but lapore, i I agree. i i think I think it's done at this point.
1: It's hilarious how quickly our mindset changes, right? Because here we were a week or two ago when they were kicking the shit out of everybody. And you were like, wow, they have those games in hand too. This is going to, they're going to be tied. They're going to be in a playoff spot. And then they lose a few and it's like, well, they're going to lose those games in hand, (laughs) but your confidence just goes down. As for how they'll play out the rest of the season, earlier in the year, when things were going really bad for them, really bad. And they've been showing the graphs, the betting graphs. There were points where the Sens were like 25 to one to make the playoffs. Then it creeped down 15 to one, 10 to one, eight to one. Last week, I think it was as low as six to one or something. So they have made a charge. But when they were at their lowest point during the season, I made the point that we were going to find out what the Sens were made of because you do have this young group. And let's face it, this group, they have a lot of talent. They seem like they're a close group, but. They haven't won a lot. So I think that team, when I say that team, that organization, even if they didn't make the playoffs this year, they just wanted some positivity. So when things were looking really bad for them, like people were talking about Bedard and all that, if they should just tank it, trade away assets. Had things gone that way, it would have been really bad. Really, really bad for the organization to look in the mirror, see what they have and not see see any real progress. And they were able to turn it around. They got hot. Stutzla looks amazing. Kachuk had a rough spot, uh, rough patch earlier in the season, five on five. He's looked pretty good lately. And now, as grim as it looks for them making the playoffs, it's funny to say, like, like the leaders on that team, like because they're young, like the Brady Kachuks, the Stutzlas, the Shabbats, if he's playing, if he's healthy. Even if they're not gonna make it, I still think they have to fight to the end. They have to give the team some confidence going into next season. They have to keep the fans excited and the city excited for next season. This Sens team in the last year has had a lot of positive momentum. They had the Debrinca trade. They had the Giroux signing. Great. Stutz, like I said, Stutz has had a great year. Chickering These, at the, the deadline. Chickering at the deadline. The, the new ownership uh, rumors. like Everyone's talking about Ryan Reynolds. Complete 180. Complete 180 to where everyone thought the Sens... We're headed last year at this time. So I really hope for the organization's sake and for the fan base's sake that they can keep fighting to the end so at least there can be some optimism for next season. Like, let's say they finish 10th. Okay, and that's a big improvement. I mean, there's going to be a big improvement regardless, but I just think it makes fans more optimistic and wherever they finish, it's playoffs or bust next year. This group has to make the playoffs. Like enough is enough. But just to give the fans and the organization the confidence to go into next season, I'm not going to say expecting the playoffs, but at least to know, like, yeah, we're in this. You don't want it to fall off the rails. And I'll say it. DJ is going to coach hard till the end, because if this thing does go off the rails, I mean, there's been rumors about him getting yeah, fired on. He's gone. So he has to at least show, hey, look where we finished right? He has to show Pierre or whoever's going to be making that decision that he's capable of giving this team a chance to make the playoffs next year. So like I said, I'm hoping they fight. I expect them to, because these guys like to score. They're young. And even if they're playing for nothing, they're still going to want to win and score goals and celebrate. They're going to want to kick the shit out of the Leafs on Saturday night as they always want to for their fans. So I think it's going to turn
0: out okay for them. And I really and truly hope it does. Yeah, this season could have been a colossal disaster for Ottawa based on how it started. Like, bare minimum this year, I thought, like, this team has to at least sniff the playoffs to have a successful season. And they have turned it around to that point where they're fighting for a playoff spot with 16 games to go. As grim as it looks, like, they're still technically in the mix and they still have a, a puncher's chance to get in. And that's all positive. But, man, you said it. Next season, it's playoffs or bust. Like, this is their team now. Mm -hmm. Your core is in place. And I always bring this back to the Leafs, and I know the Leafs are very rare. Like, they made the playoffs in year one of Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. And then everyone wonders why those guys all got their money so early. Well, maybe it's because they were pretty fucking good since the second they stepped in the NHL and led their teams to the playoffs in year one. And guess what? The Leafs have made the playoffs every year since. Okay, and to the people who say they didn't make it in the COVID season first of all every team and i don't know how many times i've had to tell people this on social media yeah all 24 teams who got invited back to the return to play plan that year were all considered playoff teams by the nhl and on top of that based on points percentage the leafs were in a playoff spot yeah more importantly yeah (laughs) before the league was shut down due to COVID, so shut up to the people who say the leafs didn't didn't make the playoffs they made the playoffs in 2020 Go check your facts. Just Google it. It's very easy to do. <laughs> anyway, the Ottawa Senators got to make the playoffs next year, man. Like, we're getting to the point now. Shabbat's already in, in year five. Or Kachuk's in year five. Shabbat's in year six. Stutzla's going to be in, what, year four next year? Year four. He's getting paid next year. Yeah, he's out of his like, entry level goodness, deal. my goodness, man. Like, you got a lot of talent here. Your core is in place. Like, you got to see results at this point. No more like, oh... We're just fighting to try to make the playoffs like, no, you have a, you have enough talent here. That you got to get into the playoffs and and threaten to win a round and sure, make all the jokes you want. The Leafs haven't won a playoff series. But my God, this team has got to take a bigger step forward next season. Like, I think it's 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 mandatory or else like, I don't know, man, it's going to be very, very disappointing in Ottawa.
1: Yeah, a, a good friend of mine. I mean, we talk a lot about the Sens. He's a big Sens fan. He was saying earlier in the year, even when things were bad, people start throwing out, okay, we should trade to Brinkett. Even people even brought up Giroux. It's like, you know, what would we get for Giroux? He's on his contract, this and that. Trading Talbot. No matter where they were in the standings, and I think a lot of Sense fans felt this way, he didn't want them to make those types of moves. Because it would just show, like, hey, we can't do this again. We can't, like, put up the white flag again. I don't give a fuck where we are in the standings. we got to keep fighting. And I respected that. And I respected a lot of the Sens fans for feeling that way. So, I think, I don't think many people could argue against what we're saying in the way that they're the running out of runway. And we just really hope they fight to the end to keep this positive momentum going into next season. Because next season is a big season, like you said, for the Ottawa Senators. They have to make it. They have to make it Thomas Shabbat. Like you said, year, um, year six of his NHL career. This is the first time he's smelt even somewhat competitive hockey. Think about that for a second. Even Brady he, Kachuk, this,
0: as much as everyone gushes over Brady Kachuk, like this dude's in year five now. Yeah. Yeah. He's been like, around for a little bit. Like you got to start sh- showing some results and, and make the playoffs at some point. Yeah. And to, to me, it's a
1: thing. I don't know. You tell me, Bruno to me, it's almost a thing of respect too. Like maybe we, it sounds kind of funny. We almost have to respect them a little more to give them expectations. Like sometimes with smaller markets, people are like, oh, you know, that team's cute or whatever. No, when people make team Canada rosters, some people put Shabbat. And here's this guy's like, he wants to win. Everyone knows Brady Kachuk wants to win. Tim Slutsa is turning him into, the be- into one of the better or best offensive players in the NHL. So even as outside fans... I think we kind of have to give them the respect in the way that our expectation is for them to make it, just like I hope Sens fans do.
0: Yeah, like it, it's time. Next year, there are no more excuses. Like I'm probably going to pick them to make the playoffs next year, at least be a wild card team. So like, you said so you're going to pick them? Yeah, like I'm going to pick them probably to make the playoffs next year. Okay. Like when we yeah. do our show before the season, you know, who's getting into the playoffs, who's going to win the divisions and whatnot, pres- the President's Trophy, I'm probably going to have the Sens making the playoffs as a wild card team. Okay, And they should be fighting for a top three spot in the division. I don't know if they they have what it takes to win the division, but my goodness, you got to get into the playoffs next year. So again, I think they're going to fight till the end, even though they're probably not going to get in. But as you said, it's going to be very important for the momentum heading into next season. Lapore. anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up this podcast?
1: A little nervous, Bruno. We've, uh, like I said, we've been uh, fucking Jekyll and Hyde in our last couple of games. And uh, you look into the future, and you see the Colorado Avalanche and the Carolina Hurricanes, just awesome. Just two teams that a lot of people are picking to uh, play in the Stanley Cup Final. So, like we just said about the Sens, finding out who they are and what they're made of. You know what? I'd like to say we're going to find out uh, what the Leafs are made of. But no, they could play amazing and then lose their next three or play like shit and then beat a juggernaut team the next game. So basically what I'm saying is we'll have no idea what we're talking about uh, when these games are done.
0: Yeah, this is the the story of the Leafs season. I already know they're going to play great games against Colorado and Carolina. Maybe they're going to win both games. And then they're going to go on the road against Ottawa. And yeah, Ottawa, as you said, Lapore is going to want to kick the shit out of the Leafs. Yep. And they're probably going to lose to Ottawa on yeah. the road. And then it's all going to start again. They keep losing to teams that they should beat. What is wrong mm. with this Leafs team? And bah, it never bah, ends. Bah. And it's just going to be the same cycle from now until the end of the season. I already see it coming.
1: Boy. You know I just, I just popped in my head? Does Murray start on Saturday? Ooh, uh, That's what I was thinking too. Does Ooh. he start
0: against this former team that wanted nothing to do with him? He bailed last time. So I don't Bale know we we haven't seen her. Campbell play the Leafs. Well, like the Oilers were protecting Campbell. They did not want him to uh, to go into that into that environment against Toronto. So maybe yeah. the Leafs protect Murray and don't have him play against Ottawa potentially. Yeah. That's fine. It's, it's going to be fun, man. There's going to be a lot of takes. We'll see anyway. That's going to do it for episode 96 yeah. of the Gluns for Punishment podcast or GFP a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. If you are listening for the first time or you're a longtime listener, we would appreciate it more than you could ever imagine. If you give us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we would appreciate it so, so much. If you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below and ring the notification bell. So you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno. Go Leafs go, and we will see you in the next one.
1: Thanks, everyone.